Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 24, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, March 22nd, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,690. That's 12690. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,693. That's 12693. This morning, A Vision for You presents, We Ask God to Direct Our Thinking. The way we manage our own lives brings us to the end of our rope. Desperate. Hopeless. We hit bottom. Our ways and our efforts fail us. Step one, if concluded properly, leaves us feeling empty. We have admitted our own powerlessness and the unmanageability of our lives. So we are left saying, if I am powerless and cannot manage my own life, who can? Who can direct my life, my thinking? The 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. The 12 steps are designed to bring about a spiritual awakening. For the spiritual awakening to occur, the 12 steps are worked in the prescribed order one step at a time, beginning with the first step. Each step flows logically from the one before it and builds upon its principles. Our spiritual awakening allows us to receive strength, inspiration, and direction from our higher power. Each day, many times a day, we ask God to direct our thinking. The application of the steps and their spiritual disciplines enable us to develop a direct connection to the power which is greater than we are. We are now trying to live according to the dictates of God. Joining us today to speak on this very topic is Dawn B., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Dawn is grateful for the life-changing 12-step program and a relationship with God and is enthusiastic about carrying this message of recovery. And welcome to the line, Dawn. Thank you, Leah. It's great to be here this morning. Yeah. All right. Well, I am Dawn B. from Southern California, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and a super grateful one, and I'm so happy to be here with everyone this morning. What I wanted to do to begin was actually um, start with the 11th step prayers to begin our morning time of being with the presence of our higher powers and starting this off this morning. So I am going to begin by uh, this time of prayer, asking God to direct my thinking. God, I do ask you to direct my thinking, especially ask that my thinking be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. I pray that you 
Give me inspiration when I'm faced with indecision. Give me an intuitive thought or decision. Please show me all throughout the day what my next step is to be. I pray that I be given whatever I need to take care of such problems. I ask especially for freedom from self-will. I ask that I be given strength only if others be helped. My creator, I ask that you show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. What may I do today for the person who is still sick? Please remind me that I am no longer running the show. Thy will be done. Please give me the right thought or the right action. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. And God, I ask that the words that you would intend to be spoken this morning during this time, that those would be spoken and that you would speak your wisdom to me at this time and give me the words that I need. And I pray for the people listening that you would help them Give them, give some person that is in desperate need this morning the words of hope and strength in your loving presence. And I give this time to you. Please direct my thinking. Amen. And of course, those words of hope come from the big book, pages 86 through 87. Well, I am Dawn, a compulsive overeater, a recovered compulsive overeater, and I must admit, I am very nervous, <laughs> very nervous right now, but I am also very excited to share with you my experience, strength, and hope. So I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to start uh, giving you some background, tell you about myself. Uh, When I was a child, there's uh, pictures and some video of me when I was growing up. And I heard from family gatherings that what they would tell me all the time when I was a kid was, Donnie, pull up your pants. Donnie, pull up your pants. Because I had this huge belly. And uh, being, you know, somewhat overweight, not a lot overweight, but somewhat overweight as a child. But Donnie, pull up your pants was something that people remember hearing and they laugh uh, when they remember hearing this when I was growing up. Because apparently I had a large belly and um, I loved, I was very focused on food and sought it for um, comfort. And uh, I saw a picture of myself recently somebody found an old picture in their files and sent it over the um, uh, email to people. And it was uh, a birthday celebration and somebody was holding me. I was, uh, you know, maybe five, somebody had me, was holding me. And I was, you know, not paying attention to anybody in the room, but I was totally grabbing for the cake. So here's uh, just a great example. I just had to laugh. Um, being a compulsive overeater uh, at a very young age. 
I remember um, when I got older, I would uh, wake up in the middle of the night and go down to steal food from the refrigerator. And I got really good at uh, slicing uh, a cake, you know, like in a quarter inch slice all the way along the cake so you couldn't tell like a paper cutter all the way along the cake. So you couldn't tell that there'd been a piece taken from the cake. Bless my heart. I remember in, um, in college that I would wear these, I started to gain uh, enormous amounts of weight after I arrived. And um, I remember forcing myself to wear these bib overalls uh, every day because uh, I was punishing myself. I didn't want to buy larger sizes of clothes. And I felt that I wanted to, you know, force myself to stop eating compulsively by wearing the same clothes day after day after day. Um, And so I had this big floppy pair of overalls, the only thing that fit. And, um, And I would wear those every day. I also remember many trips being taken to the vending machine down the hall for my room my dorm room and um i would go down there for multiple candy bars and uh i remember one time being down there by the vending machine you know stuffing my face full of candy bars hoping no one would um come walking and i somebody came out and they were going to get something from the vending machine so i quickly ducked behind the vending machine and um stood there you know real quietly while i was continuing to, to uh, eat, real, chew real quietly. And I realized the vending machine was up on legs. So if the person had dropped their change, they would have bent over and looked, they would have seen my feet standing there behind the vending machine, hiding in the back of it. Oh, goodness. I remember uh, breaking into the college cafeteria late at night to try to get food with a friend of mine and, um, you know, bless my heart. Uh, but yeah, a long history of doing outrageous things, uh, getting up at 2 AM, going out walking alone, um, to get binge foods. This was back in the day, uh, before, um, it was a small town, so no taxi rides, no Uber, no anything like that to be able to get to our destination. But it was just, I would be out there walking alone to go get my binge food. Um, also, a memory that I have, uh, compulsive overeating, was my parents had moved to, I was born and um, raised in Iowa and Minnesota. But my parents, for a time, had moved down to Arkansas. So I was um, had moved down there. I was like 26 years old, um, moved down there shortly to, or to be with them for a time. I'd just um, come back from the Peace Corps. So I uh, was down there with them, and I was just so mad at myself for just being overweight, and I couldn't stop eating. And I was trying diet after diet, different kinds. Um, and the particular diet I was on at that time was, uh, I forget what it was called, but the food that was available to eat was uh, chocolate pudding uh, and uh, chocolate shakes and chocolate protein bars. Uh, that was the food for the diet. And you were supposed to eat just that. 
And then if you did that, they, you know, claimed that you'd lose weight. So uh, that's what I was eating was the chocolate pudding, chocolate shake, and chocolate protein bars. But of course, I was binging on the diet food. And, um, and I also had in my closet hidden away um, stashes of large uh, bags of M&Ms and Snickers candy bars. And um, so I was binging on the M&M's candy bars, getting so mad at myself, and then trying to stick to only eating the chocolate pudding, the chocolate shakes, and the chocolate protein bars. Uh, and binging on that. And I was just so angry, and I had so much uh, self-loathing. And um, so my mom was going to go out walking in Arkansas, so it's hot, you know, humid. I put on this sweatsuit, this hot polyester, long sleeve, you know, sweatsuit. And, and, um, and my mom was going out walking and I thought, well, I'm going to be running. I'll be running around in circles around her, running back and forth, you know, while she's on the, on this walking trail. And I was doing that. And, and I just remember everything going, uh, kind of like red spot and then everything went black. And that's all I uh, remember. My mom tells me that uh, what happened was I had passed out and uh, apparently it appeared like I was having a seizure. I was writhing on the trail and vomiting. And she asked me, you know, what this vomit, all this chocolate was coming out and coming out and coming out. And I didn't ha- I didn't tell her what it was, but, um, I said, well, it was the, you know, the pudding, the chocolate shake, the chocolate protein bars, that kind of thing. But I didn't tell her it was all these bags of M&Ms and all this junk food. And so there I was on the trail, you know, writhing and um, what appeared, like I say, to be a seizure. I think it was just all the abuse that I had put my body through and vomiting this up and all this out, out, out. My body was just rejecting it. And there was this halo of chocolate forming around me on the side, on the uh, trail there. And my mom thought I was choking on my tongue. So she tried to stick her hand down my throat. Of course, I bit her. She thought she was going to, you know, I mean, lose her finger at that one. Because it was, it was just a horrific scene. And uh, anyway, the uh, ambulance was called other people on the trail called the ambulance. And I don't remember uh, this. I do remember some voices and being put on a stretcher, um, but I couldn't open my eyes. Um, I was put into the back of the ambulance and um, I yelled to these people. I said, is my mom here? Because I just didn't, you know, want her to know what I had done. And I, well, is my mom here? Is my mom here? And they said, no. And I said, it's the sugar. It's the sugar. I said, I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been binging on sugar. And I can't stop. I can't stop. I think we've all been there. Maybe it wasn't sugar, whatever it was, but we've all been there. We get to the point where we just can't stop. And we're desperate. 
hopeless and we feel so alone and we can't stop. And do you think, though, that after that experience that I would have stopped if I could have? But I couldn't. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I, I, I couldn't because I have a disease and because I was addicted. I came into Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, I am a long time member of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I'll soon celebrate. Uh, this year I'm going to be 60 years old. But I was only 19 when I first heard about Overeaters Anonymous. And where I was when I first heard was in college. Um, I'd heard about Overeaters Anonymous. It was in a biology class. I was in a biology lecture. And they had invited a guest speaker from Mayo Clinic. And it was, uh, this was a doctor who worked with people who were uh, obese. And uh, after the talk by this person, somebody was asking them, um, you know, what's the best diet? you know, for losing weight. And this doctor thought, and he said, um, well, the best diet, uh, the best uh, program for, you know, helping people who are overweight, uh, in his opinion, for the long haul of the person, not just, you know, short term, would be Overeaters Anonymous. And I thought, I don't know what that is, but that's for me. And so... Uh, at that point, I started looking for meetings. I, college I was going to was in a small town. There wasn't any there. But uh, as soon as I could, and it was January of 1978, um, was the first time I was able to go into a Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Uh, I was on a, a month-long intern time in um, Minneapolis. So that's where I first walked into Overeaters Anonymous, and I immediately knew uh, this is for me, absolutely, and I was going to do this thing. Ah, and it's been a long time since then. Um, I, I believe I'm probably one of the um, slowest learners ever to grace the doors of Overeaters Anonymous. I had how I've been there for, you know, decades, but the, during these decades, um, it has been, I haven't been able to string together more than 21 days on one occasion that I recall uh, of abstinence. It was just a massive uh, history of failure and trying to be abstinent and not being able to. And um, it was a, a very, you know, challenging time. I learned things. I went through the steps multiple times in that time, uh, but was never able to get, you know, abstinent and remain absent for any length of period of time. And I felt like a failure. Uh, it was back in gray sheet days, and I would try to have perfect food, and um, 
I thought that if I took one bite over, then I was a failure. And, and it was a lack of, you know, my ability to have will. I was just really, uh, you know, upset with myself and used the perfection of trying to have a perfect, you know, food plan, a perfect food uh, actually worked against me because it set me up for failure. I tried to have this perfection and then failed all the time. And, and um, it was a very tough time. And back then, um, you know, we read the big book. Uh, we didn't have all the literature that is available now. Um, and I remember hearing the big book being read uh, and thinking, well, this doesn't have to do with, you know, my what I need. I just want to lose weight. They were reading, you know, how it works. And rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Uh, and I thought, well, this, you know, I'm talking about... Um, self-will, self-centeredness. And I'm, like, I'm not really a self-centered person. I, uh, having made, uh, anyway, I just thought it didn't really have that much to do with me. Um, you know, self-centeredness, selfishness, dishonesty. I just didn't think I was that those things really described me all that much. <laughs> so you can imagine why. Um, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of self-awareness at that time. But I did learn a tremendous amount in Overeaters Anonymous over the years. I wasn't able to um, put down the food. In fact, um, it's, it's, sometimes I, the message that uh, you know, I was hearing was that I could just try to eat in moderation. And so I tried uh, to do that, and it just did not work for me. And, um, but what finally happened for me, um, and the big book wasn't really uh, after the new literature came out, you know, with the OA 12 and 12 and other things, we kind of, I believe we kind of drifted away from the, the, the uh, big book message. And, um, I hadn't really heard, I couldn't recall hearing, um, the doctor's opinion, and felt like, you know, when I recently came into vision, that that was just all new. <laughs> it felt like new information to me. I hadn't really explored the first part of the big book. And so um, what happened was um, I came to a big book workshop uh, this past August. Harlan was giving a, a workshop. And uh, I actually... Um, I should back up a little bit. Uh, what happened was I, I saw a, um, I was working the steps, working the steps, you know, but hadn't put down the food. Um, but then I saw a movie. And for me, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, for me, this is what happened. It was my story. It was like the doctor's opinion for me. Um, it was uh, doctor's you know, giving a real clear picture of what my future was going to look like if I continued down this path. It happened to be a, a movie on uh, whole food, plant-based. For In my situation, it worked for me. But, um, 
so I watched this movie and, and like I say, got a real clear picture for whatever reason that really struck me that if I continue down this path, um, I was uh, up to, in my largest, I was over um, 120 pounds, what I am right now. Um, I was almost uh, four, no, I'm sorry, uh, 245 pounds um, and gaining. Um, and, but, uh, so when I saw this movie, uh, could barely walk up a flight of stairs, um, you know, size two X clothing, buying all my clothes at Goodwill, stretchy pants and, um, but, uh, in this movie, anyway, I got a real clear picture of where my future was headed and, um, it scared me. And so I put down the food and amazingly, when I put down the food uh, and started eating healthy food, I began to feel tremendously better. And in fact, um, and I'm the last, I was the last person who would ever eat healthily, uh, fill myself with healthy foods. Um, But I did. And I did it, uh, I have four children, and they're now young adults. My youngest is 15. Um, And he's a typical guy, but my three older children, um, the oldest will be 26 this year, uh, have autism. And uh, two of them also have mental illness. And so uh, most likely they will probably be living with my husband and I for, you know, the foreseeable future and probably their adult lives. And so I, when I was um, watching this movie, I thought, oh my goodness, I need to be there for my kids, you know, as long as I possibly can. I want to do this for my children. And also my husband has some heart issues. My dad had had open heart surgery. You know, um, I wanted to do this for them too. They need this, not me. Uh, More than I do, they need this. So maybe codependently um, I changed, but uh, I put down the food finally. And like I say, when I started uh, eating and nourishing my body with all these healthy foods, uh, my taste buds started to change and the food started to taste uh, so much better. Uh, I started to crave, and like I said, I'd be the last one to, to do this. I started to crave kale salads, if you can believe that. Fruits and vegetables started to taste so much more vibrant and delicious. And, um, and so there, and I was off and that was uh, about seven years ago. And since then, um, I have, you know, treating my body with foods that aren't refined and, and uh, you know, like I say, this is my, my path, my journey, uh, not saying that it would be the one for anyone else, but I just started to, uh, for me, it, it, it was fantastic. I started to feel so much younger, had more energy, my brain was working better. You know, I used to be on um, 
uh, antidepressant medication, and um, I'm not recommending anyone go off any of that if they're on it, but for me, I was able to reduce and then go off it. Uh, and so anyways, uh, I was finally able to work the steps uh, in the OA program, having the food down, and that was a you know, much more beneficial experience. So fast forward to Harlan's workshop. So, you know, I came into Harlan's workshop thinking, you know, this is good. I'm, I'm abstinent. I've been for many, many years, you know. Um, so things were good. But I came to this workshop, it had been recommended, and I heard him say things that were just amazing. Um, I heard him talk about... Uh, an allergy. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's it. You know, I'm not this bad, weak-willed person for having that. It's an allergy, of course. It's an allergy. My gosh. And um, I liked, I even have my notes from uh, Harlan described it as an insatiable predatory physical allergy that we are suffering from. And, uh, and he talked about a phenomenon of craving. I go, that's it. I didn't have the words for it, but that's exactly it. He talked about an obsession of the mind, you know, something where once we take some of these alcoholic substances into our bodies that, um, the, it triggers a phenomenon of craving, and we, I don't know, I can't say how much of that I will be able to eat, and I will be eating massive quantities uh, when that craving kicks in, and it's beyond my ability to resist. And then there's the uh, obsession of the mind, the twist of the mind, that uh, even if I stop, you know, I can't help myself from starting again, from somehow giving myself a, a lame excuse for forgetting all the negative things that this has brought into my life and, you know, picking up again. <sighs> it was an amazing message, and I love Harlan and just think the world of him, and it changed my life. So in this workshop, I'd heard about... Uh, the first time I'd heard about vision, I thought, what? I've never heard of this before. Uh, he talked about that. I said, but I'm going to check it out. And um, anyway, so I'm listening to his workshop. He's saying all these amazing things, and I started to cry. I could not stop crying. I mean, uh, embarrassing, crying, tears rolling down my face. I'm using my sleeves. I'm using my front of my shirt, you know what I mean, to wipe up these tears that would not stop, you know, if you're really trying to force yourself to stop this ridiculous crying. I wasn't even sure why I was crying. And um, I realized, uh, you know, looking back on that, abstinence wasn't enough. Um it wasn't enough. I needed more. And what I've come to realize uh, is that you know, abstinence is just a small part. It says in the big book, it's just the beginning. 
to uh, when we put down our alcoholic substances in the program. There's so much more um, learning and there's so much more growing and there's so much more that uh, a recreating of our lives that can happen through this program. Um, it was like, you know, I'd learned this, all this in OA, but it's like the ceiling opened up and boom, there were the stars. There's so much more that can be gained uh, in this program by a total transformation of our lives. So back to the workshop, you know, I'm, by this time, my friend of my shirt, it's all these spots of um, tears and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, I thought I obviously need to do another four step. Um, you know, there's something's going, something's going on. And, and as I gave it some more thought, I thought there's the autism and the mental illness, these two things that have gone on you know, taking place in my family. I can't get past that. I uh, thought at the time, I'm going to be miserable until the day I die because this has taken place. And I think, you know, those listening on the line can relate to some things in our lives. We just feel like this is so major, so traumatic. We just can't get past it. And Harlan was talking about things in people's lives. Um, that are major, major things, you know, resentments or um, tragedies that we feel we can't get past. But uh, working through the 12 steps uh, can free us. And as it says in the big book that, um, and Harlan gave this message, it just was blowing my mind, the things that he was saying, that uh, the 12 steps, the purpose of the 12 steps is to bring us to a spiritual awakening. I hadn't heard it like that before. I got confused what it's, what the 12 steps is for, but to bring us to a, a relationship with our higher power to bring about a spiritual awakening, a spiritual transformation, a personality shift, a change in our lives. So dramatic that it will by, um, pointing us to a relationship with a power much greater than ourselves, this relationship, this experience will solve all our problems. It says that right in the big book. And it was, what I was hearing was mind blowing. So I immediately found out about vision, the meetings online and got a sponsor, a vision sponsor and uh, started working the steps, as Harlan says, like my hair was on fire. And that was pretty much all I did um, was just dive into the steps and work them like there was no manana. And, um, and so I loved it. I loved the experience. Uh, working them so quickly was uh, tremendous. And I just hadn't done that before in a way. I'd always taken, you know, months, years to get through a step. And so this was a new experience. This was amazing. And 
so what I'd like to do is uh, tell you the things, because there's, I imagine there's a lot of uh, other people like myself, you know, on the line who have been in the program many years and just weren't able for whatever reason to get any amount of abstinence strung together um, for any, you know, length of time. And so what I wanted to do is tell you those things that really jumped out at me uh, this time around. Like I said, I've done the steps many times, but this time around, it was different. I, the food wasn't the issue this time around, um, but certainly the emotional sobriety was what I desperately needed. And so to start off with, I wanted to go to something that was transformational for me and um, so helpful uh, when I was working the steps with my vision sponsor this last time. Uh, to start off, I'd like to uh, tell you about the character defects sheet that was given to me when I started to do the fourth step. Um, the character defect sheet was like, oh my goodness. Um, it talks about the character defects, so there's selfishness. And it talks about dishonesty, self-seeking, frightened of, inconsiderate. So basically what's on the sheet, and I'm happy to, um, you know, if people want to contact me later, I'm happy to, if you don't have it, you probably, many of you probably do, but um, it was just mind-blowing for me. So when I had taken the fourth step before, you know, on the forms where you check off uh, which character defects are affected, selfishness, dishonesty, that kind of thing, those terms were great, but it just, uh, before it allowed me to, just think of it kind of out there and not really take it inside. And um, so selfishness for me, what it says on this uh, form is and has all these different attributes of selfishness that you can go through and see which one of them jumps out at you. Uh, so under selfishness, not seeking is not seeking the other person's point of view, problems or needs. Wanting things my way, okay, there we go. Uh, wanting special treatment, wanting others to control or dominate, that kind of thing. So selfishness for me, and this is something I do for my sponsees now as well, is to, you know, have this character defect sheet where all these uh, specific things under selfishness, dishonesty are all listed out, but then also to um, write their own you know, personalize their character defect, their own personal character defect sheet. So under selfishness, um, what it is, you know, some of my ones that I came up for, with for myself was selfishness is, means I want what I want and I want it now. Uh, also things that I'm telling myself that are making these uh, resentments possible or these fears possible. Things I'm telling myself under selfishness is I should be able to have whatever I want and that um, what I need and what I want is the only thing that matters, that kind of thing. So to personalize it, these, the 
concept of selfishness was super, super helpful for me. Then under uh, dishonesty, because um, I originally was thinking, well, I'm not that dishonest, you know, obviously not true. But um, so it really helped me to uh, take a look at what this means for me. So dishonesty for me means I think I know better than God. I think I know better than my higher power. Um, also that uh, dishonesty, things that I tell myself that aren't true. So that would be, uh, it's your fault that I'm upset. You're the reason that I'm miserable. Uh, I know the way it needs to be, and this is not it. I know the way life should look right now, and this is not the way it should look. Uh, also dishonest things I tell myself in order to, you know, have a resentment. I know the way you need to do it, and this is not it. Uh, so I'm basically pretending to be the higher power of somebody else. Uh, another one, I have no choice. I have to be upset over this. Uh, another that I have and is, uh, if you keep doing that, you don't care about me. That's something that I can tell myself that is just simply not true. So also under dishonesty is that um, it has to be a certain way or a life has to be a certain way before I can be okay, before I can be happy. Um, this must change before I can be happy. That's a lie that I tell myself. Being perfectionistic also is dishonest. Uh, under self-seeking is do it my way, force my will. Um, when I'm manipulating others to try to do my will. And when I am playing the victim, the protector or the savior. So anyway, it's just super helpful, uh, that form for me in doing the fourth step. And another thing that really jumped out at me and was tremendously helpful this time around doing the steps I had no idea that there was the uh, OA big book. And so coming to vision, learning about the uh, OA big book that Lori has written that's available online, the forms that are on there for doing the fourth step are tremendous. Um, I love them. And when I was doing my step eight and nine on the forms, there so much learning was taking place uh, just through uh, filling out the forms. And I realized uh, doing my step eight and nine that uh, I am miserable, not because of what happens to me, but because I am, try I am trying to play God and force my will. I suffer um, because I am not taking responsibility for my behavior and trying to force my will. I cause suffering to others because I am not taking responsibility for my behavior and I'm trying to play God. Oh. So in doing the forms for step eight and nine, uh, for example, like with my son's autism, I uh, placed him, his autism, just the idea of autism, not 
him personally, but the autism under the harm. Uh, and the harms that I had done was that uh, I could not, I did not believe that God could bring a greater good out of this. Uh, and for me, my higher power, what I believe, my higher power as I understand it is that uh, my higher power will bring about a greater good for all concerned. That my higher power's will is to bring about a greater good for all concerned. And so the harm I had done was I wasn't believing that any good could come out of the autism. Uh, I, I believe that uh, it to be a devastating, unspeakable tragedy that this had taken place for my son. And I blamed it for my unhappiness. And that was the major learning, is that I was blaming my son's autism for my unhappiness. And then under the uh, possible amends for that harm, apology, restitution, public acknowledgement, or living amends. Um, and what I, the beautiful thing about this form is that when I filled those, that section in, I could see that I could use this for my prayers. So under my amends, I was going to be asking to see my son's autism more like my higher power sees it. I was asking, I was going to be praying to see uh, this situation more like God sees it from God's perspective. I am going to be praying to be healed from my unhappiness. So taking responsibility for my happiness or unhappiness, my attitude is my responsibility not to be blamed or put on anyone else. I was going to be asking to be free of trying to control and manipulate life. I was uh, praying to have my peace of mind dependent on God alone and not on the things around me. And it was just like these mind explosions of learning for me. And just going through the forms, um, writing about my other son's, autism and mental illness, I blamed that for my anger and my depression, not taking responsibility for my own behavior, my own attitudes, and thinking that it was uh, dependent on things outside of myself. So also, uh, I was going to be praying or am praying in my um, amends, my living amends to ask for God's will to be done and not mine. And to ask God to, for my family members, the living amends I was going to be doing and am doing is to um, ask God to help me love them as God would most delight. To rely on God to solve their problems and to um, see them more like God sees them, to pray on a daily basis, to ask for my higher powers perspective on my problems and to see my family members more like God sees them. And this is transformational. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So that was 
something I wanted to share. Uh, also different this time, what I learned going through the steps again. Um, when I was writing out my and sharing my resentments and fears uh, with my sponsor, I was uh, told to see if I could learn how I'm trying to do my higher powers job. And that was just very helpful um, to have that, that learning. And what is, was made more clear to me is that uh, our orientation to life before the 12 steps is that we're in charge. We're like the center of the universe and all things needs to revolve around us. And the 12 steps helps us to see that no, God is the center, our higher power, however, we understand that power that we need um, is the center. And now we have a new employer. We have a director that is not us it is our higher power so i wanted to uh, have you look at the big book i wanted to just reference a couple things uh, where it talks about this on page 62. so the tremendous learning uh, this time around with the steps on page 62, it is the second to last paragraph. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And so now, when I'm disturbed, when I am, my peace of mind is not on where it needs to be, I can focus in on and remember that this is something that I'm doing. If I'm having a problem, you know, I'm the problem. Our troubles of our, our, of our own making. And then in the last paragraph there, and this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. So when I'm looking at my character defects, you know, I'm asking myself the question, how am I trying to play the higher power here? And then I'm miserable, not because of what happens, but because I'm trying to play my higher power and force my will. That me trying to force my will, that's what causes me to suffer. Just tremendous learning for me. Um, and then also what I use for my practice of uh, prayer and seeking my higher power. So going through the steps uh, this last time, I heard that steps 10, 11, and 12 are the steps that we live in then. Uh, before I'd gone through the steps and I really didn't pay any attention, didn't really know how to do uh, 10th step, 10, 11, 12, I barely you know, thought about those. But this time, these are the main focus now. Once you go through the steps, the main focus is 
living in steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis um, to maintain your fit spiritual condition. That is what we are doing on a daily basis. That is the most important. And so I can go back and use the, the, um, the forms that I used when doing the fourth step and steps eight and nine, and I can go back through them and use those for my ongoing prayers. So any old fears that I had that on occasion will crop back up, I just go back to my forms and look at um, what I have written there. So for example, um, I was afraid of services decreasing for um, my adult children with disabilities. You know, they receive services and always afraid that they're going to lose them. And um, so on the forum, what am I fearful of? My kids losing services. Why do I have this fear? The constant challenges to keeping services, yearly reviews, that kind of thing. Where was my trust and reliance? It was on finite self rather than infinite God. I'm just reading on the form. And these forms, again, are available on the, um, the OA Big Book site, www.oabigbook.info. Um, <clears throat> does self-reliance work? No, it does not. And then to say the fear prayer. So, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And so after I pray that prayer, then asking God, what would you have me be? And then what you can do on your forms is write down what you hear or what you believe, any inkling that you have or what you could imagine your higher power, what would your higher power have you be? Um, And so in the beginning, you know, I think it's helpful to think of uh, your idea of a higher power and just if you can't think of what, your higher power would have you be, just start by meditating. Um, For example, like on divine, infinite love, just meditating on being in the presence of infinite love and just quiet your mind and your heart and your thoughts and just being in the presence of infinite love for you, for your family members. What is that? Just try to come to a better understanding of what is it like to be in that, immersed in that loving, infinite loving presence. And to spend time posing questions uh, to that infinite loving presence and to write down anything. And even if you think it doesn't make any sense, just go ahead and write it down. Uh, So what I was writing down was what would God have me be? Calm and grateful for my higher power's divine care and control. Uh, Like a sleeping baby in a burrito wrap. I don't know if you've seen babies, or I'm sure you have, uh, but seeing them sleep as they're all snuggled up in their, I call it a burrito wrap, the blanket all wrapped tightly around them and how calm the peace that's on their faces. So 
uh, I believe my higher power holds me like that. And when I'm in my higher power's loving care and presence, when I'm pondering that and meditating on that, I, I believe that's how my higher power holds me, is that peace that's on their face. That's how I'm being held. So these uh, four-step forms are a beautiful thing. And on the, when I'm doing my 10-step, then when I need to um, write out a fear, write out a resentment that's bothering me and I want to get a little more in-depth, um, I go to the forms online and they're interactive, so you can just type them right in online and then you can print them out. Um, super, super helpful. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I shared that with you. So living then, tremendous learning for me this time, living in steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, so step 10 was a major piece of the learning. So I do it to step 10 anytime my peace of mind is off center. This is like a tremendous tool that I never knew was available. Um, now I feel like I have armor. I have this de- defense that I can carry out into the world. So when my peace of mind, Harlan says, the buildup of normal human emotions, it happens to all of us. It's challenges in our daily lives. When those emotions start to build up, Uh, I need to find a release from that. And other people can find it in, you know, playing golf or going for a run or whatever. But uh, for compulsive overeaters, you know, what we used to turn to at those times with, you know, we start getting stressed, we start getting anxious, we start having these feelings, these emotions. We used to turn to food, so we need to find... um, some other relief from that. And step 10 is how we do that. It's a beautiful thing. And I just, when I go into face-to-face meetings now, it's like I'm jumping up and down. Step 10 is amazing. It is so fantastic. Um, Harlan has a uh, talk on the special edition talk on the 10th step, which if you haven't heard it, I highly recommend it. It is tremendous. He's an amazing uh, speaker and talking about how to do a quick 10th step. If you're, you know, in the office or wherever you're at, you can do this, a 10th step, and it just takes minutes. And, um, and it's very easy to do. So not making it overly complex, you can do uh, a quick way of doing that that is um, right out of the big book on page 84, the 10th step. Um, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and to continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living. So this is something I learned. I need to do this not just, you know, once in a while. I need to do this vigorously um, on a daily basis. This is what, this is my work. This is what I do as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. And I am excited 
excited about having the opportunity to continue this for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when these not crop up, not if, not if ever, but when, and when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and we make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. This is my job as a recovered person is to work uh, this process on a daily basis. And it's actually fun. It's fun for me. It's an amazing thing. I mean, it is uh, mind-blowing that I can get all this angst and worked up emotion over, you know, this, that, or the other thing that happens during the day, and I can do the 10 step, and it's like taking a pin to a balloon. It just like, it's like, boom, it's gone. My peace of mind can be restored in a brief period of time, and I can go on about my day with peace of mind, and it's an amazing thing. I just, I'm just so shock and awe at how effective step 10s are. I love them. <sighs> then we can resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So into service then. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Wow. The calm that comes over me in just saying those words. The peace, we have ceased fighting anything and anyone, even alcohol, even food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. <sighs> we will seldom be interested in liquor or food. If tempted, we recoil as from a hot flame. And this was another thing. Um, Harlan in his big book talk was saying that uh, we are abstinent, and we are doing so happily. What a miracle. And that is so true for me. That is my experience. I thought I was, I was the last person, like I said, who could string together any portion, any few days of abstinence. And now to be at a point where I am not only abstinent, I never thought this was possible, not only abstinent, I love I am giddily, happily abstinent. That is a miracle, a miracle. And not only that, but I hear people on the line all the time, daily on vision meetings that are abstinent and doing so happily. Mind-blowing that this is a reality. What a miracle. And now we react sanely and normally. What a miracle. We find that this happens automatically. We see that our new attitude towards food has been given to us without any thought or effort on our part. And that is the truth of it too. Uh, once you get through the very difficult, uh, sucky, portion of putting down the food, once you get through that and 
you know, the phenomenon of craving is not something that arises because you have put down your alcoholic foods. The, it is not only uh, enjoyable to be abstinent. I love the food that I eat. I love my abstinent meals. It's like a hobby uh, for me to prepare them and I enjoy, relish them. And we maintain our abstinence with, um, without any thought or effort on our part. We abstain from our alcoholic foods. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Wow. If that's not a message of hope, I don't know what is. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off on page 85. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. Wow. This is a beautiful program. It is life-changing. So step 10 amazing thing and then step 11 is also something that I work on every day this is my working the steps and in so doing I am working all of the steps as I continue to work in step 10 11 and 12 I'm working all of the steps every day and to maintain I'm recovered but to maintain this recovery I need to continue to grow spiritually and to maintain fit spiritual condition. Um, It goes on to say, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. There in the um, first full paragraph on page 85, middle of the page. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day. We must carry this vision of God's will into all of our activities. So in all our activities, we are asking for our higher power's will, not ours. We are asking, higher power, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are the thoughts which must go with us constantly. God, please direct my thinking. And so we are taking responsibility for our thoughts and we are working to keep them in line with our higher powers and focused on our higher powers will, not on trying to force our own will. It's a beautiful thing. So continuing there, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed the directions, um, and this, the big book is a textbook. It has specific directions that we can follow to get what the first 100 that were recovered have gotten. We follow the directions in the big book. We will get what they got. We will get the spiritual awakening, the spiritual transformation. We have begun to sense a flow of his spirit into us. Some extent, we have become God conscious. 
and I'm looking at the time here and realizing my time is uh, running out and I can't believe that that is the case. Um, so what I'm going to be ending with is on the next page, page 86. On awakening, this is uh, page 86. So this is what I practice every day uh, in step 11. On awakening, before we begin, what we do starting out and how we started out this time together, and this is a great place to end, is that before I begin my day, every single day, I am asking God to direct my thinking. I am before I even jump out of bed, the first words I say to myself is, God, please direct my thinking. Your will be done, not mine. And we turn our will and our lives, we turn our days over to our higher powers. And we are looking for how can I best serve you, higher power, and remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show, that our higher power is running the show. Thy will be done. God, please give me the right thought or action. And that is what I focus on each and every day and how I maintain and grow my fit spiritual condition. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Leah, for this time. Thank you, Dawn B., for sharing this miracle, indeed a miracle. Thank you for your inspiring and profound story of transformation as a result of the 12 steps and a relationship with power. Thank you so much. Today's share ID, 12,697. That's 12697 for this presentation. Dawn's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll want to Stay tuned for that. We will now open the lines up for questions. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute and offer your first name, first letter of your last name as well. Star 1 to unmute. Questions? Melissa C. Hi, Melissa. Robbie P. Robin P. got you. Who did I miss? Deborah M. Deborah M. All right. Well, let's get started with these three. Melissa C., go right ahead. Hi. Thanks so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Dawn. That was really excellent. Um, You talked about um, your prayers that, you know, asking God to help you see the situation um, as, as for the better good. Um, and, and, you know, we're specifically talking about your children's difficulties. Um, could you maybe share a little bit more, a little bit maybe what, what those prayers are? Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for that question. Excellent question. Um, yes, uh, So with the new way of, of what the 12 steps uh, gives me the opportunity to practice on a daily basis is to ask my higher power for my higher power's perspective. So 
um, I will quiet my mind and I will think of my higher powers, loving presence. And I, when I think of that, I think of infinite love and being surrounded in infinite love. And then I visualize myself uh, holding up, you know, any, like the situation with my, my kids, holding it up before my higher power and just asking, praying to uh, God, help me to see this more like you see it. You know, help me to see this from your perspective. And when I do that, um, it comes to me that, you know, like my son who's severely autistic, essentially nonverbal, um, just repeats the same phrases over and over. Um, when I ask to see it from my higher powers perspective, I can see that only my higher power can determine. I used to think, well, this is a, this is a, you know, a failure of a life. This is a tragedy. This is a horrible thing. But when I see it from my higher powers perspective, I can see that uh, only the creator can decide if a life is valuable or not. Um, I don't get to do that anymore. I don't, I no longer get to judge. I don't get to judge myself. Uh, I don't get to say how valuable or not I am. I don't get to judge other people. Uh, I don't get to determine if a life is valuable or not. That's my higher powers job. And so now I leave that, uh, to my higher power. So only my higher power can determine what's a valuable life and what's not. What's a successful life and what's not. My son, he's happy. He's giddily happy uh, on a daily basis. He's amazingly happy. And who am I to try to quantify uh, how valuable his life is? That is just not my job. So I no longer get to take that role of someone who um, defines what's valuable, what's successful. That's my higher powers job. And uh, I wanted to share the quick story. So when I'm in that, uh, asking my higher power for my higher powers perspective, then I can see and I can remember things, you know, when my kids live that are, you know, just Amazing things. Uh, my son, when he was young, uh, we were teaching him words like, you know, mom and dad and that kind of thing. And Anyway, it was during a meeting in our house and um, my son all of a sudden started to just, you know, just draw with this crayon, draw. And, uh, and so he was really working on something, and that's odd for someone with autism to just really focus in. Uh, at this age, for him anyway, it was uh, unique. He was drawing this thing. And, um, so he gets this paper done, and he hands it to me. And on there, um, he had written, there were three cubes, three boxes. And in the first box, it was uh, red, a red box, a yellow box, and a blue box. And in the first box, he had written in big letters, do. And then in the next box, 
he had written letters, not, and then the other one, it was worry. And never before and never since has he ever written out a sentence that was uh, made any sense. Um, he didn't know how to uh, write a sentence. So, but anyway, he had written, do not worry. And I stopped the meeting and I said, oh my goodness. I said, I really think God wants me to hear this. I said, I really needed to hear this. I said, he just wrote out, do not worry. As like tears were filling my eyes. I felt like God was giving me a message through my, through my son. Do not worry. And I'm a slow learner. And so, um, I felt like God, you know, wanted me to just relax and not worry that my kids were in God's hands. And, um, but anyway, so my son, he made these over and over and over again. Our house, our entire house was filled with these papers that, these drawings uh, that had do not worry. Uh, there were everywhere in the house. My son, he would find a piece of paper. He would start making these three squares. Do not worry. Do not worry. So everywhere I looked, do not worry. Do not. It was an amazing God shot, an amazing God moment. So uh, I know I'm getting off topic, uh, Melissa, but so when I'm asking my higher powers perspective and to see things from God's perspective, I can focus on those things in my life that, um, you know, are truly miraculous, truly messages of God's loving presence, regardless of the circumstances. And I realized my happiness is not dependent on my circumstances. My happiness is not dependent on things going a certain way. It's only dependent on the loving presence and me having that connection with the loving presence of my higher power. That's all I got. Thank you, Lisa. Melissa. Thanks, Melissa C. for the question. Robin T. Robin T. Star one T. Hi, Hi, this is Robin T. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness! Wow. I just really wanted to thank you, Dawn. I, I just felt like I was just in the presence of angels and God bless you mightily. I'm I was so touched by your share. Oh. Um, thank you. Um and I I just really appreciated so many things that you said. Um oh my goodness. Sorry, one second. Thank you. And I I just um God just you know, the willingness like God's will for us no matter what. And, uh, and the willingness to be abstinent through anything, even the things that I just think are, where's God? And then God just shows up in the do not worry. And, um, I've had so many of my own do not worries as I've been trudging the road to happy destiny in these incredible stories dealing with, so many things that just feel like, how can that be God's will? And yet it is. And God just keeps carrying us. And, you know, I think that God sometimes is God of the long run. And I just get to keep looking for the love 
and I see hearts everywhere. I see, I collect heart rocks. I collect, I find hearts everywhere in leaves and um, rocks and just, I just see God just saying, just go love and receive love. Just do the circle dance of love. And I got this. And it's all about the love. And, um, and I just also really, I'm plant-based and vegan and so now is my sponsor. She wasn't before. She is now. And, and I just really appreciate you talking about healthy food and loving kale. My husband and I were both laughing. <laughs> but thank you for that. And God bless you. And thank you so much, John. I pass. Thank, thank you, Robin. Um, uh, please contact me uh, afterwards because I also see and look for hearts. And so I have to send you a photo of me being out on my walk and finding a hole in the, just a bubble in the sidewalk in the shape of a heart. And I'd like to send that to you. Thanks, Robin P., for your question. Deborah M., your turn with a question, please. Yes, thank you so, so much, Don. Um, excellent, excellent sharing. And my question is, you touched upon... When you went through those sheets, selfishness, self-seeking, you really opened up a door when you said, and if you can expound, selfishness, your peace was not getting the help or searching for the help um, you would need for your son. And I never thought of it as selfishness. Could you just expound on that self-seeking, dishonesty, and selfishness that you went through and how that opened up some new ways of insight into your own disease. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah, for the question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, if I'm understanding your correction or your question correctly, um, to think about how selfishness, um, yeah, it was a, a, a wonderful thing to realize that I'm being selfish when I am trying to force my will, that I'm trying to play God when I'm trying to force my will, thinking that I know better than God, um, and basically, you know, saying that I know the way life is supposed to look, and this looks nothing like it's supposed to look. And so I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to make myself miserable uh, until this changes. I tell myself the, uh, the lie that I can't be happy until this situation changes, and that is being dishonest. That is uh, me thinking I know better than my higher power. And um, so when I get up in the morning asking God to direct my thinking, God is in charge, I am not. God's a director. So if God is my director, God gets to determine what the actors in the, the show of life, what the actors, what the storyline is, what their lines are, what they're going to be doing. I don't get to do that anymore. And so um, I need to stay in my, stay with the lines, the scripts that I've been given 
the role that I've been given stay there and not try to run the show. And it's selfish when I start to uh, tell the other actors how they need to be acting. It's self-centered of me to think that I know the way this play should be going, and this isn't the storyline that I demand. And so I am going to be furious uh, until the storyline changes to my liking. That's me being selfish. Um, I hope that that was helpful. I, and the learning is um, I'm miserable, not because of what happened, but because I'm trying to play God and force my will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Deborah M. We can take another group of questions, please. This will be the final invitation for questions. Star one to unmute. Cynthia B. Susie B. Susie B. Karen R. Karen R. Irene B. Irene B. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Toby W. Toby W. Julia E. Julia E. Excellent. That's a great group. Everybody mute, please, except for Cynthia C. This is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yes, I hear you. Um, thank you so much, Bill, for your continued service. And, Bob, I just can't thank you enough. I'm going to have to listen to the recording again and take notes. I was just taking it all in. And I related to so, so, so much of what you had to share. I'm just so grateful. Um, <clears throat> I do a lot of the same prayers in the morning as you do. And at night, when I do my 11-step review, um, I've been thinking a lot about what does, it, what does it mean to be selfish? You know, what does that really mean? Because mm-hmm. my default is to say, yes, I'm selfish. Like, I'm always selfish. I'm an addict. Of course I'm selfish. But I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I, I you know, I, I work in a nonprofit job where I do good things for, like, my whole day is spent doing good things for people. You know, I guess I'm generally thoughtful, and I and I do go out of my way. I just, I don't quite know how, like, I really, I think my perspective is warped, you know, and I guess I'm wondering when you're doing your 11th step review at night, like, how, I don't know, like, has your perspective shifted, and how do you judge that? Like, I think I'm a terrible judge of myself and other people being an addict, so I, I hope that question makes sense. Thank you, Cynthia, so much for your question. Um, yeah, selfishness for me originally was just like this word that really didn't mean that much to me. Um, but now, you know, I get the opportunity to practice every day, uh, to identify it and find it in areas of my life where I am being selfish. So it's as an addict, I don't immediately see it a lot of times and it'll sneak up on me. But any time that I'm trying to, um, when I'm disappointed with how life is, when I'm uncomfortable with how things are going, and I insist that it must be a different way, and uh, that takes my peace of mind off center, 
that's me being self-centered. That's me being selfish. Um, because I'm basically saying to my higher power, no, it, this is not, you know, it needs to go a different way. It needs to go my way, how I want it. I have made up these things in my mind that these things must happen before I can be happy, before I can be okay. Uh, my preferences, you know, having it be a certain way and telling myself that I'm going to wait to be happy until this thing happens. I am not going to allow myself to be happy until this, this, and this takes place. Or until my husband, you know, changes in this area. And um, it's the selfishness for me. I get to uh, learn, you know, to identify those areas in my life where I'm saying, no, it needs to be a different way. I know better than my higher power what it needs to look like, and this isn't it. And so I get to practice that every day, identifying where I am being selfish and self-centered, thinking I know better. And it is a process. So thank you. I hope that helps. Thank you for your question. Thank you, Cynthia C. Susie B., your turn with a question. Thank you. Um, you mentioned um, there's a special edition uh, with Harlan talking about the 10th step. I was on a retreat once where he was speaking. I did bring my husband with me who has dementia, so I was divided you know, taking care of him and trying to listen. Um, is there any way uh, anyone knows to share ID for that? Uh, if you contact me afterwards, I will get that information to you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Susie B. Karen R., your turn with a question. Star one, none mute. Thank you. Dawn and everyone for your amazing, amazing service. This is one of the best podcasts that I've ever heard because it really speaks to my spiritual needs. And I have a great deal of difficulty understanding the concept of selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, and, um, and in the past, I've had great difficulty understanding, and even today, how when somebody makes me unhappy, I notice the language I use, I am unhappy because they made me unhappy, and that's not mm-hmm. true, that's a lie. And mm-hmm. that means that I'm being selfish or dishonest. That I'm being a lot of things. And um, and I just, in order to be able to connect the dots and see how some of these very self-defeating behaviors are selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, I, I think that um, if I use, and, and I want you to check me out and see if it's true, I think that if I ask myself, am I being controlling 
and control is a form of selfishness from what you explain the way I'm understanding it. So how do you see like control and, and gut honesty, how it ties to the con to, to, to to the concept of being selfish and self-centered. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Thank you, Karen, so much for your question. This is Irene. Yeah. Irene? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, um, thank you, Irene, for the question. Um, yeah, I think absolutely uh, what you said. Yes, when I am trying to be controlling... When I'm trying to force my will, um, that is uh, selfishness. And um, so underneath uh, selfishness on the character defect sheet, and again, I'm happy to share that with anyone, where it lists all the different uh, attributes under selfishness and um, under selfishness, saying things like I want, wanting things my way. I want what I want. Uh, wanting special treatment. I'm wanting others to control or dominate. I thinking I'm better. Wanting to be the best. Um, wanting others to be like me. That's a big one for me. I'm wanting others to be just like me. I'm trying to control them to be like me. Um, wanting more than my share. Uh, too concerned about me, my needs, and my wants. Wanting to control how people think of or perceive of me. Image management. Wanting to look good or be liked. Yeah, when I'm struggling to control, I'm being selfish. When I'm trying to control the, the show, the play, uh, to my liking, I'm being selfish. And I'm not allowing my higher power to be the director. So, beautiful question. Thank you. Thank you, Irene B. Let's go back. Susie B., are you there? You had a question. Star 1 to unmute Susie B. Or was it Karen R.? I had already asked my question. Thank you. Okay. Excellent. Karen R. Karen R. Perfect. Yes. Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for your service. Don, thank you so much. I got so much out of your share. I was getting ready for church while I was listening to you, so I'm going to have to go back and listen and take notes. Um, I just can identify with a lot that you said. And the only thing I can really ask you right now, um, I am new to Vision for You. Um, is there a time on the phone that you will leave your phone number um, that we can contact you? Yes, uh, I understand that. Leah is going to give that information out shortly, and um, so yes, that will be given. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for your service and for um, sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, also, Karen, I'm on the list on the website, uh, Dawn B. Okay. Uh, in Southern California. In California. Okay. Super. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks. Karen R. Toby W., star one to unmute with your question, please. Hi there. I took a little time to unmute. Um, Thank you, Don, so much for your talk. Uh, Could you say a little more about how you do 
your 11th step at night. I have a form that I use, and I'm finding, gratefully, that um, I answer everything. Almost everything is no, 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 no. And um, I don't know if I'm missing things or I'm not missing things, but would you say a little bit more about how you do your 11th step at night? I'd appreciate that. Well, thank you, Toby. I really appreciate the question. Yeah, um, I'd love to. I use the uh, app that you can get for your phone, and you can also get it on your computer, but it's the Spiritual Tool Toolkit app, and they have it for AA, OA. Um, so anyway, on that app, the form does appear, and that might be the same form that you're looking, that you're uh, using, and it actually comes from the big book, page 86. It's just right out of there. Um, on retiring at night, we constructively review our day, and so what I do is uh, fill out that form. And then what I was instructed to do with my sponsor is then after filling out that form online, uh, I send it to my sponsor and I also sp- send it to my sponsees that have, uh, that are, you know, up to step 11 or beyond. So it's a beautiful thing to um, share that in a way of connecting and having this, you know, developing this community of uh, people that you're sharing this with. And so on this app, it has a button, you know, that you can click. So it's really easy to send it to, um, I send it to my sponsor, like I say, and sponsees. And that's a beautiful thing. And how I like to look at the 11th step too, even though it does ask some of the same questions that we consider um, when we're doing the 10th step, um, I see the 10th step as, if my peace of mind is off center during the day, I do 10 steps and take care of it. But if there's any fish still in the water, you know, you think of a pond and getting the fish out of the pond. If there's any swimmers left in the water um, of, uh, you know, resentment or fear or anything like that, that's what the 11th step is. Then we can, you know, strain those, net those and get those out of the water so we can go to sleep uh, peacefully at night so that's what I like to think of as my 11-step process at night. Um, but, yeah, filling that out is, uh, is a, uh, a beautiful, prayerful practice. So I can really look at my life, you know, how am I living, how was it that day, and to clear up anything so I can then um, ask my higher power to, uh, forgive me, and, and important, more importantly, to what corrective action can I take so I can continually then uh, learn and grow and think of what my higher power would have me do instead of if there were any challenging, um, you know, behaviors that I had during the day. How can I do it differently tomorrow? How can I practice what my higher power would have me practice uh, the next day and to focus on that? I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much, Toby W. Julie E., star one to unmute with a question, please. 
Thanks so much, Leah, and, and thanks so much, Dawn. Oh, my goodness. Uh, like others have said, I'm, I'm definitely going to um, uh, listen to this again. Um, thanks for making it evident, you know, that God can and, and will act in our lives, and um, the evidence of God is apparent. I want to become more aware of that. At times, I can um, sort of glaze over it. I, I was uh, really interested in step 10. Now, I can get very codependent and reliant on my fellows for discernment. Like I can take my 10th step and um, on the phone and go through it. And then um, after I worked the steps, I was, you know, getting busier during my days and saying, oh, I can just do it up in my head. And um, there was a lot of self-justification and rationalization going on, and it got skewed really quickly. I, I was going to ask, um, how do you find that balance of, you know, not wanting to control, not wanting to be codependent, but God-reliant, and to have that confidence and discernment, if that makes sense. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll, I'll mute. Well, thank you, Julia E., for that question. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, instructed that, um, you know, to, to do the 10th step. And so what I personally do is I do the 10th step, and if it's more of a significant one, I will write it out. I will go back and I will find, like, if it's a, a fear that I'm dealing with, I'll find the fear forms, you know, that I used for the fourth step and write it out. Uh, if it's a resentment, to use the form and write that out so I can really dig into what is going on and then really focus on what is my higher power's uh, intention for me here. Um, and in the big book, it does tell us to uh, talk it over with others. So yes, to ask God to direct, um, you know, to uh, remove the character defect, but then to talk with our fellows about that. So I see that as an important part in following the specific directions in the uh, big book to talk it over with our fellows. Um, take it to God, yes, but then to talk with our fellows about it. So I really see that as something that's important for me because when I hear myself saying it, uh, I'm also doing learning. I'm also doing, it just makes it more real to me. When I'm telling somebody else, you know, confessing, if you will, to someone else, I'm getting honest with what it is that I'm doing, and um, it's it's helpful for me to say that to somebody else. In fact, I'm also on a um, a ten step train, and that's been a really helpful tool of learning for me to then what I can do with the ten step train is I get to every two weeks I get a new partner. and so I get to hear how other people are working their ten steps, you know, different ways of doing it and it's just been such a valuable learning experience to hear other people's 10 steps and um, you know because everybody has their own way of what works best for them and how to do it and to be able to benefit from 
other members and to try out, you know, their ways of doing it to see if that would be helpful for me too. So I just find a lot of strength in sharing it with other people and, and it's really a, been a gift for me. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much, Julia, for your question. Yes, thank you, Julie. Our final question for this morning comes from Judith R. Judith R, star one, to unmute, to pose your question, please. Judith, you had wanted to ask a question. Star one to unmute. Okay, perhaps she got pulled away. Thank you so much, Dawn, for giving a great amount of yourself today and sharing your story and how you apply these very steps to your life greatly appreciate it. We're going to close from the big book, page 164. You'll find it in a chapter entitled A Vision for You, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.